0: Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies My and gentlemen, Jerry Springer. Hey! hey, hey, yeah. hey welcome, hey, welcome. Hey,
1: now, the weekend, uh, as we're recording this, I guess we just uh, <laughs> finished the Memorial Day weekend. Yep. Oh yeah. And uh, where w- you guys are still at home?
0: Mhm. Mhm.
1: Is we there any prospect Ludlow, that we're Kentucky? Re- yeah, is there any uh, prospect that we're going to be returning to the coffee shop or
2: Well, well, we can we can do that. I mean, I need need to have the conversation with Catfish. I think yep. everybody now has had uh, vaxes, so yep. we're good to go on that our whole, our whole crew. Yeah. And uh, I have to talk to Catfish uh, to see if uh, and I'm pretty sure that's his case, too. And so the answer is, yes, let's, you know, now that you've said that, let me start to get that in motion. OK, making making some calls and uh, figuring it out. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. And By out, the way, find out what he's charging. Yeah yeah i will i will ask i will ask is probably what he was charging uh, yeah a couple thousand an episode yeah Uh hey by the way uh in a few minutes we're going to have jerry's thought for the week they're wonderful stick around for that it's frankly the heart of this podcast is what Mm -hmm. this podcast is really all about we also have and we're real excited about this dylan walsh dylan is uh out of nashville these days but he's from dublin ireland and when we have our conversation with Dylan, Megan will start that in a few minutes. Uh, he he's very Irish. You'll you'll tell by listening. Uh, and also, I wanted to uh, draw attention to something. Uh, and we have uh, now. Here's what we have: we have the audio. This is obviously an audio podcast. So the vast majority of the people who tune into the Jerry Springer podcast, for which we are deeply appreciative. Uh, They hear it. We do do these on Facebook Live. Megan and Jerry and Dylan wave to the cameras because the Facebook Live audience can see us. and We do have a faithful following of Facebook Live people who are able to get this as it's happening. So here we are on what, June 1st, 7 o'clock Eastern time, and those folks are tuned in. They are going to be able to see this video, but they're a relatively small group of people. The rest of you are going to hear it. This, uh, I tell you what, let's just play the queued up video. No, let's just play the video and then let's see what, you'll hear it and then we'll talk to Jerry. You're going to want to talk to Jerry. The picture is winding up.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Oh, what a hit! Oh my! Oh run! Oh my! Oh! A grand slammer!
3: Oh!
4: Oh! Oh! Oh, oh! A grand slam home run! Oh, no. <laughs> All right, <laughs>
0: that
1: was so, so cool. What is that, what <laughs> that, is that Jerry? That uh, let's hear it for that eight year old girl who was uh standing next <laughs> <day>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that That's that was so exciting!
0: Cool.
1: Yeah, that was his, what was it, Jerry? It's, it was uh, about uh, uh, who was, was it? it? Oh, that was my grandson, Richard, and okay. uh, he plays on a travel, he's 12 years old. And he plays yeah. on a travel team north of Chicago. And uh, as I was driving him to the game, there was a tournament. Uh, he had said, you know, Opa, I've never I've never hit a ball over, over the fence. And I said, well, you're growing. And, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to be able to reach it. And it, it'll be good. And sure enough, they're losing two to nothing. He comes to bat. I have my little... Uh, my you know iphone and i go up to the yeah. cage behind his at bat, and i'm holding the camera there and then i just lose it and he hit it <laughs> now the center field fence it says you know it's 250 feet away the big sign is says 250 he hit it over the fence into the trees we're talking at least 270 feet never in my life have I hit a baseball 200 set. He's 12 years old. That's he so rocked cool. it. And my voice went up 12 octaves. Gene <laughs> remembers when my voice was that high, when I, <laughs> when I sang Save the Union Terminal. So it's not, yeah, an not octave four years like, ago. It's not an octave I've never been to. And, <laughs> yeah they are familiar with that often, just, yeah. I mean, and after that Mickey
0: puts you in the car and got you back on yeah, your meds and...
1: she, yes she, <laughs> she says it's okay just settle down just Aww. yeah but it, it's, it's just really so cool, exciting
0: though.
1: yeah and uh, you know anyone Gene knows anyone who's a grandparent you live through that it's just yeah. like it is so exciting you just lose self control you just get <laughs> so happy with yeah. it yeah I know it's very
2: cool very cool um and you, you've had, you know. Speaking of baseball, you've had some awesome experiences, and partially because of your celebrity, which you earned over the years, which included being mayor of Cincinnati, being the lead anchor uh, in the number one uh, station. What was it, the NBC affiliate
0: WLWT. in Cincinnati?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you had. Uh, people may not know this about you, and we've referenced it before on the podcast. You had celebrity, all kidding aside, a growing, a building celebrity. You eventually became a national star, as you are now, Judge Jerry's show, Jerry Springer's show before that, Uh, very active in politics. But along the way, because of that, you've gone to, that I know of, check me if I'm wrong, to baseball star camps.
1: Yeah. correct. Yeah. I, I They call Tell them, us about that. They call them dream camps and uh, I, dream went camps. To, yeah. okay. I went to actually three or four of them. But anyway, the one I think you're referring to is the first one I went to was in 1988 and it's the Yankee dream camp. And what that is, wow. is they get about 45 campers and most of the guys are in their 30s or 40s. And uh, for one week, you get to play a doubleheader every day at Fort Lauderdale Stadium in Florida uh, with the old-time Yankees, uh, Man. And each of it, you're split up into four teams, and you know you have your Yankee uniforms. And each team has two all-time Yankees and the Yankees in, in my camp were Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, Yogi Berra, I mean, all hall of famers. It was unbelievable. This was 1988. So I was what, 44 years old. And it was just my dream. And you know, you had all your meals with them. You were in the hotel with them. Your locker was next to theirs. It was like, it, it, it was just unbelievable. And, uh, Anyway, so it's the final night of the camp. It was April 15th, 1988, a Friday night, the final night of the camp. They opened up Fort Lauderdale Stadium to the public because the the public heard that, you know, Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, all these great Holyoke and Barrett were going to be there. So they wanted to come to the game. So this stadium was packed. And then they announced the the battery for the Yankees, for the Yankees, yeah. Ford and Springer. I was one of the few catchers in camp. So oh, man, man, I'm going. It's like this is a dream. I mean, my eyes are mm-hmm. tearing up. Uh, you know, and I get behind the plate. Whitey's war- warming up. Back then, he still threw pretty hard. I mean, not major league hard, but hard enough that you got to pay attention yeah. or you're going to get hurt. So uh, all of a sudden, ten thousand people get to their feet. Cause out of the dugout here comes mickey mantle he oh steps God. into the pattern's box whitey ford is on the mound i'm behind the plate thinking of all the times my mom used to say gerald noble playing in the house and i'm pretending to be mickey mantle or yogi Berra. and now i've got whitey ford and i start shaking like the leaf and my glasses which i wear underneath the mask are fogging up. I'm going to get hurt. So I call time out. Oh my God! Jerry. I call time yeah. out, and I run out to the mound. And Whitey Ford, who had this thick New York accent, he lived in Long Island. He puts his arm around me like I'm a little child, and he says, mm-hmm. "What are you doing?" <laughs> and, I said, <laughs> and I said, "Whitey, I can't. Uh, I, I, I can't. I can't stop shaking." And uh, so he he says with his arm around me and I'm going to clean up the language a bit but and well uh, he says get the hell behind the plate Mantle hasn't no he says get the F behind the plate Mantle hasn't hit in 20 years and he's stone drunk <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> now it was really good okay, okay. ran behind the
1: plate and Mantle swung the ball <laughs> lifted high and deep to left field it was caught it was an out court at the fence but just the power of his swing it was magical yeah and that that really was the best time i ever had alone you know what i mean it was it was just such a phenomenal week and they have these camps except sadly and then i'll quit sadly these camps hardly exist anymore because back then the superstars they needed the money they didn't make money in baseball The most Mickey Mantle ever made in a career was $100,000 a year. Now, the worst player in baseball makes millions. Yeah. So they did it because they needed the money. And honestly, as you went out to dinner with them during the week, they would kind of be asking you for tips. You know, you tipped at the end of the camp. They got $5,000 a week uh, in total. And then the guys would throw in some extra bucks for them. I mean, imagine nowadays when you're making $30 million a year, you're not going to go to a dream camp, you know, play baseball with, you know, people like me. So it's, they don't exist anymore, but it was great when it was going on.
2: Well, you know, uh, people hearing those stories uh, can understand that what we opened the show with your reaction to your grandson hitting his first grand slam. Uh, This I know because of our lifetime friendship, this is the game you love. And it turns out that Ricky, your grandson, independent of anything you ever did, I suspect, said one day to you, that's the game I love. And that's got to be a big deal to you, having loved this game your whole life. And now your grandson, who we've talked plenty, and I have a yeah. grandson the same age. Oh, He's exactly. On a traveling soccer team, basketball. But uh, so our kids are going through similar kinds of stuff. But when the kid loves the sport that you love, yeah, that's special, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that that, and and that honestly, because Mickey and I were real conscious not to do that, uh, not to push him in one direction. The truth is, when you look at him and when he plays, everyone would think basketball because he's so tall for his age and he's a very good basketball player. But he says, yeah, I like basketball, but I love baseball. And, you know, I said, oh, my God. Jerry cries
0: every time. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, it's great. So I'll tell you what.
2: (laughs) I'm planning as the executive senior, pardon me, the senior executive (laughs) producer, Jerry Springer podcast. And we're going to be doing this podcast for at least the next 15 years. So I predict something. And I've told you this many (laughs) times, Jerry, many times. And you know it. I predict, no joke. That uh Ricky Yankin is going to be a significant baseball player.
0: That's a great baseball because player name, too. That's a great player name.
2: It is, it is, it is. I but he is my is Springer, that but, good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, he,
2: he, he is he he has the physical skills, he has the love of the game, he has some advantages of top coaching. This is a kid who I believe will no. So how do you measure that? You measure that by He's on these traveling teams. He'll be on the baseball version of AAU teams, which is what they do in basketball, youth basketball. He'll end up playing, I believe, college baseball. He'll get drafted. I think his future, aside from his academic abilities, which are significant, I don't think you can stop him because he loves the game. So here's the yeah. most
0: important question, Jerry. What would you know, his walk-up song be? Everybody has a walk-up song. What would it be? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. <laughs> uh, here here go, Megan. Here comes the son. Here comes oh. the grandson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here comes yeah. the grandson. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Hey Jerry. Yeah.
2: Well, we're we are looking forward to uh following this and
0: Yeah, uh, that's really cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. Just to I put it it's it cool.
1: Just uh to put it in perspective. Uh yeah, he's very good. But In the real world, there are thousands of kids that are very, very, very good. And, you know, at at some point, he's going to get other interests. And, uh, you know, so who knows? The reason we push sports is as an educational tool at this age, we want him to have something to do when he gets home from school. You know, in other words, the discipline you learn through sports, the idea of teamwork. Uh, it's not all about you. It's, you know, there's so many great growing up lessons you get from sports. And, uh, I, you know, I kind of miss that. Uh, yeah. I was, I, you know, I just wasn't good enough. And but I see the camaraderie among, you know, among athletes and the coach that is down your throat saying you've got to do this. You show up on time. Uh, you lose your temper and you're thinking about yourself more than the other teammates. You're going to be benched. You know, that kind of stuff that that is just great addition to parenting. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's why I love. Now, if he came back and said, I want to be a musician, then it'd be the same thing. Well, then you're going to study music every afternoon, you know, and, and you're going to work at becoming very good at it. I mean, having some interest that a young person, other than just hanging out with your friends at the mall, well, uh, you know, trouble lurks around the corner. I, I just think that's important, and frankly, Gene, I heard a lot of that from you because you went through it first. um, You know, with your kids, uh, that it was important yeah. to have activities for them and stuff yeah. like that. And, and so, uh, yeah. I well, think the that's one important. the one you
2: hit, which to me, as a lifetime now retired educator, is the biggest one, is that teamwork thing, as terms of a yeah. life lesson. You, you get. Yeah. Once kids start to feel that thing that, and I watch it with my grandson, Michael, who's uh, part of select soccer. And, and I went to a big tournament over the weekend uh, with him and it's, God, you see it. It's just, it's a, such a life lesson. And just as you say that bond. And so, uh, and by the way, there are thousands of positions in any sport including baseball and in colleges and universities public private state etc all across the country so I don't I really just have no doubt this kid is and by the way I'll say the same thing about my grandson Michael when I look at him playing soccer I said that kid's gonna be playing high school soccer yeah I'm just as sure of that and if he doesn't he doesn't now, I'm not I gotta die over it, and he's not gonna die over it but You know, and I think that we could see him someday uh, playing college soccer somewhere. And it's all the same lessons. It's all the same life lessons. So I think it's a blast. I'm with you, Jerry, as a grandparent, man. You know, if you're and I watch my wife do this with the uh, other some other grandkids. Uh, My one granddaughter is in dance. I have another granddaughter who's now in gymnastics. And we all love watching all these kids, boys and girls, not about gender. Finding their place, but emphasize being part of a team. Yeah. That's yep. the thing, man. Being part of a team, whether it's a dance studio, a gymnastics studio, uh, gym, ah, it's all good, man. So I'm,
1: I was, yeah, we had a lot of fun here in that reaction. And uh, I will say that, uh, Richard, yeah. I have given him a copy of my will with one line left blank. Mm-hmm. And as an incentive to him. <laughs> you know, hey, he wants to have a good life, you know, working out and sign with the right team. There is, <laughs> yes, a, it, there is a bonus in the will for the Yankees.
0: Yeah. you He's
1: going to have a lot better life, <laughs> you know.
2: I'm oh not going to name this name. <laughs> I, got, I have a yeah. friend, Jerry, and I told you about this friend. You probably have oh, met yeah. father.
1: Yeah.
2: And his son... Played baseball. He reminds me so much of Ricky. He was a tall kid. He played college basketball, college baseball at an ACC school. And after his, what, sophomore year in college, he was drafted by the New York Yankees. He was a pitcher. He got a signing bonus. And I'm not naming the name, but I don't think he's ever had to work a day in his life. Got millions of dollars, yeah, and had to have Tommy John surgery on his arm, and really never made it because he was injured, and he came out with millions of dollars. So get Ricky, in you know, get that will thing worked out. Yeah, well, he's going to
1: have to support me. You know, he he can
2: he he can fill in the numbers with the right behavior. <laughs> I, I hear you. I'm counting on the Jesuits selling some Riverview land and uh, <laughs> getting me some place to live when I die. Hey, Jerry, yes. uh, we look forward to these every week. We call them these days uh, Jerry Springer's thought of the week. Jerry will see something that catches his interest, a current event, obviously, and used to be it, it always was spelled T-R-U-M-P, and now it's uh, not necessarily, you know, sometimes still. So. so what caught your interest this week? Well,
1: I'm a liberal Democrat, and I'm Jewish. And on more than a few occasions these past few weeks, I've been put on the defensive when asked, what do I think about what's going on in the Middle East with Israel and the Palestinians? As if it's a gotcha question, how can you be both, I'm asked, the support of Israel and a liberal. And yet I don't feel the conflict at all. In fact, for me, my Jewishness accounts for my liberalism. It's in my DNA, having lost most of my family, grandparents, uncles, aunts, and cousins in the camps of Nazi Germany, um, exterminated along with 6 million other Jews in the Holocaust. For me, it's pretty clear. For those of us who survived humanity's most inhumane act, the lesson is indeed clear that discriminating against the people based simply on their race, religion, ethnicity, or gender inevitably puts us just one dictator away from hell. Six million people exterminated, not for anything they did, but simply because what they were, Jews. And from this horrific experience, what role can we possibly have in life other than to constantly lead and join the fight against discrimination whenever and wherever we see it. So then some ask, does that apply to Palestinians? The answer is it does, which is why I am a fervent supporter of what we call the two-state solution, a guaranteed secure Israel and a newly created Palestinian state. I say newly created, But it didn't have to be, newly created, that is, because the offer was on the table some 73 years ago, back in 1947, when the British mandate, which encompassed what was then Palestine, backed by the international community, mapped out two potential states, one for the Jewish people called Israel and one for the Arabs called Palestine. Neither side was happy with the way the lines were drawn. But the Jewish population, figuring half a loaf is better than none, accepted their half. And so the state of Israel was born. The Palestinians, much to their harm, did not. They rejected this division, even if it meant that they wouldn't have their own country. So the surrounding Arab nations immediately declared war on Israel, which, as you know, proved to be a counterproductive strategy as Israel then and ever since fended off every military effort to destroy it and is now a world superpower, indeed a nuclear power, and not just militarily, um, but economically as well. With only 9 million people, it has the world's 11th largest economy, larger than England's, as well as a world leader in technology. The point being, Israel is a nation, a powerful nation, with as much right to its existence as any other nation in the world. And yet Hamas, a terrorist organization, along with its followers, refused to recognize Israel's right to exist. Insanity. And I say insanity for the Palestinian people, because if they cut their ties with Hamas, which the PLO would like, and thereby recognize Israel, so it doesn't always have to fight to preserve its very existence, the United States and most of the rest of the world would immediately join in the effort to create this new Palestinian state with massive economic aid to make this new nation viable. Seems like a sensible enough solution. And yet, to be honest, the Israeli government hasn't made the road to a two-state solution the easiest one to travel. Prime Minister Netanyahu and his right-wing parties have made negotiating the boundaries for the two states ever more difficult by expanding settlements before coming to the table to negotiate, thereby making less and less territory available to create a viable Palestinian state. The problem for Israel is this, it was created to be a Jewish country, the Holocaust at the time being the latest reminder that throughout history, wherever Jews are, they are a tiny minority and a convenient target for dictators. In fact, Judaism is the only major religion in the world that didn't have at least one country where it was in the majority. Because of its historical roots in the Middle East and Jerusalem, Israel seemed to be the appropriate location for a new Jewish state. But the values of its people also call for it to be a democracy. And therein lies the problem. With every expansion of its borders, no matter how necessary it was at the time for its own security, the expansion of Israel brings in more Arabs. So if everybody becomes a citizen, it becomes less and less of a Jewish state. But if you deny Arabs within Israel full citizenship, then it's no longer a democracy. Now, so long as Hamas rains rockets down on Israel, of course Israel is going to respond and have every right to. No country in the world wouldn't. And if the terrorists place their rocket uh, uh, launchers in the midst of residential housing, Of course, there are going to be civilian deaths. So Israel has every right to defend itself just as we would if America was attacked by hundreds and hundreds of rockets. Yet at the same time, Israeli political leadership must understand that every killing or displacing or discriminating against non-militant Palestinians or Arabs simply raises another generation of young Arabs dedicated to destroying Israel, and more significantly, Jews. It's why those of us who love Israel, and at the same time are dedicated to resisting discrimination wherever we see it, simply want a less militant, more sensitive Israeli government who will be more committed to the two-state solution. You can love your country and not necessarily its leader's behavior. That's what liberal Jews believe. That's what a majority of Americans believe during the Trump years.
2: Yep. Good job.
0: Thank Jerry.
1: you, Jerry. Thank you. Thanks.
0: All right. Well, Thank as Jean mentioned earlier this evening, we have Dylan Walsh with us this evening. Welcome back, Dylan. How are you?
1: How are
3: you doing? Thanks for having us here.
0: So Jean started the uh, podcast telling us that you are from Dublin originally, and you are now in Nashville, Tennessee. What? Tell us about that trek. What brought you to Nashville?
3: Well, I was actually living in London in between, and I came over here to make a record in 2014 and to play at a festival, and I met my future, now wife.
0: Nice.
1: Very nice.
0: Very cool. So mu-
3: music brought me here, but it was a woman. But
0: love kept you here. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
1: if things if things don't work out, call my show. <laughs>
0: What? No, no, don't ever. That's never I'm good. I'm just say, Hey, look, you got to recruit when you have a, you know, when Jerry.
1: You
0: I, no, and, I
3: think I've got some uh, baseball. Possibly me too. I might look yeah. for a spot on that wheel. There you go. Okay. Yeah. You go.
0: Get in line, buddy. Get in line. <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your music and what you've brought for us this evening. What we can, uh, what we can listen to from you this evening, sir.
3: Um. Well, I sent on a couple of uh, links, so I'm actually not sure which one you're going to play. But uh, essentially, it's uh, folk and roots-based singer-songwriter music. Uh, I sent you on a couple of uh, original tracks. Okay. But, David
2: uh, Proust, which one are you going to queue up first? Because we're going to do a couple episodes with Dylan, by the way, which is why we've got a couple choices here.
3: Uh, looks like the first one is called The Trickle-Down Effect. Oh, there we go. So you were talking about politics and Trump. I mean, I got here in 2016, and Oh, <laughs> pretty overwhelming, and uh, I just mm-hmm. tried to sit down and try to find some kind of common tread, yeah, amongst what I was experiencing. And uh, I wrote this song
1: essentially.
0: Wow,
3: congratulations
1: Jeez. for getting in!
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's hear it, Dylan Walsh, The Trickle Down Effect.
4: And the balloters are back out on the streets Questioning their democracy And the elected that they didn't choose They march along with the confused Saying, and he wanna stay silent at the feet And the unheard of made the choice for all to see Saying, maybe now they won't forget me easily while they were cashing in on their cause All I've known has been lost No, I'm just doing my duty Declaring myself free I'm those who feel above it all Laugh it off as a circus i dismiss it as a false sense of purpose i say that I, I think it's best leave these decisions to the rest After all, I am but one and no one could notice And all extremes have risen up to the surface With a darkened and a renewed sense of purpose While immigrant anxieties marginalize minorities Saying who will stand for us and who will desert us and the trickle-down effect is truly here He said, oh, there will be money, but it's just hate and fear It's said that all governments are a conspiracy I nodded maybe that the key is transparency Now it's the same old money man lies that once they tried to hide but now they don't even care now that you see. And there can be no solution to a cause that's willingly buried beneath antiquated laws. Cause there's no need for rent when the landlord is the tenant. What an escape plan already written into a clause And the trickle-down effect is truly here You said it would be money but it's just hate and fear And what is there to say when it's all been said Of what's really behind the leaders and not the easily led well, we repeat the truths of old to reach beyond what we know, to rise above all the lies that we offend.
1: Wow. Oh, wow! wow. <laughs> That's yeah. Fantastic! That
0: line, uh, they don't even try to hide it. Is uh, that one stuck? <laughs> they don't even try Hey, hey it. Megan.
2: Hey, Megan. How about this one? The trickle-down effect. They said it would be money, but it's just hate and fear. Oh,
1: Dude, that's good writing. That is great writing. Oh, man. And I wish, you know, it'd be nice if more people could actually see the video that went along with that. Mm -hmm. That was powerful.
2: Powerful. Right. And and by the way, again, uh, the Facebook Live people get to see that. Often our artists bring a video. And uh, we'll get that up on our website yeah. too, because the uh, good yeah. work on the video as well, Dylan. But the words, man, yeah, they stand up all by themselves. That's a good, like Jerry said, that's a good piece of writing. Yep.
3: yep. D- it's been a while since I've seen that video. It's kind of interesting. I I feel like every year it, it almost represents something uh-huh. different, but there's obviously yeah. a universal. Uh, center to it you know but you know even with the gas masks and all that stuff it's kind of creepy. oh yeah <laughs> yeah
2: you're right dylan hey, hey isn't that true in other words the events of this last year you could just take that video right dylan yeah,
3: even the put that smashing, in. The, yeah. smashing the window and everything yeah kind of yeah kind of creeps me out
1: of it <laughs> <laughs> could you just hey, put, hey, wait, wait. Hey, go ahead gene no go jerry no uh, could you just tell us what's going to happen next year okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah is this, is this a video. good time to sell <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: dylan hey dylan what go ahead Z. what's your education by the way where, where did where'd you get educated
3: well i just want to make sure that i give uh peter Swinburne of new zealand a shout out for making that video in the first place that was All his right. work Good, good. Yeah, education. I just had basic education, you know, in the pubs. In
2: the pubs. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Okay. That, that, oh, that's that's
3: interesting too. Yeah. No, I just that's had a, I I just had basic uh, public education, you know. That's I was, wonderful. I was working in a pub when I was fourteen. I was still in school, you know. I, I was working in my uncle's garage when I was fifteen, getting enough money together to get a guitar and stuff. So you know. There
0: you go.
3: That was my education. What a
1: great story. Yeah. And Jerry, you've been to Dublin, right, Jerry? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just a beautiful city. And there's just so much history there. I, I happened the last time I was there was uh, on St. Patrick's Day. And it's interesting. The, uh, the Americans are more excited about St. Patrick's Day uh, because I found in Dublin, it's just another night at the pub. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah. but it, you know, it, uh, it, it seemed to be a bigger deal for the American tourists that happened to be there.
3: Yeah, my experience of uh, St. Patrick's Day, especially with being an Irish musician, is that when I'm abroad, all the Irish come out, and when I'm in Ireland, all the tourists come yeah. out. You know?
0: Yeah, sure yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Dylan, tell us where we can hear more of your music, where we can find you online um, and where we can listen to you more.
3: Well, like a lot of musicians these days, we, uh, we don't tend to make ourselves hard to find, but uh, I got the Dylan com, which is essentially the the hub but i use most of the social networks you know instagram and facebook and i try to link them up the best i can but you know yourself it's time consuming and it's tricky
0: yep yep so check him out that's dylan d-y-l-a-n walsh w-a-l-s-h-e thank you so much sir we look forward to talking to you again and as we just talked about with Dylan, you can do the same thing for the Jerry Springer podcast. Go online. Check us out. <laughs> um, give us a five-star rating, please. Jerry will uh, read it out loud, and then Gene will re-record it as he is the senior executive producer. But go online. You, <laughs> <laughs> go online. Let us know what you're thinking. We look forward to your thoughts. And uh, we're going to have uh, Dylan take us out this evening. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you again next week.
4: Ellen Walsh last Saturday night we got married me and my wife we settled down now that we have parted I'm gonna take another look around town
0: I You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery Recorded live at the Full School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website, at jerryspringer.com. I live in the country and
1: sometimes I live in town. Sometimes I take a great notion to jump in the river and
4: drown.